In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we think about the work of the Holy Spirit, we can use one word to describe what he does. Sanctification. Now that's a big word, but we can use it in both a broad and a narrow sense. In that broad sense of the word, he calls us to faith in Christ, saving us by the gospel, gathering us into the church, and giving us new life. And in that narrow sense, we see that we live out this new life in Christ, doing good works, living a holy life and new obedience to God, all worked by the Holy Spirit. Now, the how of how he does all of this, we hear in these readings today. So listen again to what our Lord spoke in both Acts and John, what our Lord inspired St. Luke to write in the book of Acts. He says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then Jesus says in John's gospel reading today, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So like the people in the day of Pentecost, we ask that all-important Lutheran question, what does this mean? What is all of this stuff? Well, the Holy Spirit is something. He's a preacher. And that's really how he works. It's how he's always worked. God, the Holy Spirit, preaches. For we have neither a spiritless word nor a wordless spirit. The Holy Scriptures are his voice, for they are his very breath. The Holy Spirit is attached to the Word of God, and through this Word of God, he preaches. And now the content of this preaching is what we've been hearing about these past few Sundays, after Easter Sunday, the Sundays leading up to really Ascension Day, Pentecost, and even next Sunday, they kind of all weave together. And we hear about how he preaches the forgiveness of sins, repentance. He preaches law and gospel. And not only that, but he works through this same word that he preaches. He works repentance. He forgives as he delivers the salvation accomplished by Jesus. And so even as you're gathering here on this very day, the Holy Spirit is preaching to you. And that means you have Christ and you have his benefits. And so the doctrine of the Holy Spirit gets all conflated all around, but it's really that simple. It's really that simple when it comes to knowing and understanding the Holy Spirit and really the whole Christian faith. The Holy Spirit preaches. That's what he does. It's how he and how he does it is through the word of God. But all too often we forget this or we deny this. And then that's when we run into all kinds of problems in the church and in our lives in Christ. The Holy Spirit isn't some power, some force, some motivation, something floating around. He isn't arrogant He's not self-promoting either. Rather, he is the paraclete, which literally means the one who calls to himself, the one who calls you along, and he gives you Christ. He's the one who goes and says, don't look at me. Look to him who was crucified for you. Look to Jesus. Look to what he's done for you. Yet we are still swayed from Christ. And the temptation of the devil, the world, and even our own fallen flesh is to look at someone else, something else, and reject what our Lord teaches us. Now let's go back to that first reading from Genesis, because we see this is nothing new. Here the people are, they all had one language, they were gathered together in one group, so what did they do? 
accomplish great and wonderful things? Well, no, they decided to build a city, not built on rock and roll, but a city and a tower. And that sounds innocent enough, but really, it doesn't stop at that. The reason isn't so innocent. Moses records for us what happens among, and what they said among themselves. He said, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So here's the sin of the people then. They're wanting to make a name for themselves. It's trying to ascend into heaven and approach God on their own terms, according to their own name. And they build a false church upon this confession of themselves. We would say this is their spirituality. It was individualistic. It was all about themselves. And this was sinful. And this very tower and city was a monument to their own fallen state, made with their own fallen hands. And we see something in all of this. God saw it. He knew what was going on. But the nature of our sin wants to think that God doesn't know what we do, doesn't know what we think, doesn't know what we say, doesn't know the real motives by why we are doing something. It pushes God aside and out of our lives. Then when confronted, it still tries to hide from God. Adam and Eve hid from God among the trees in the garden. And that's utterly foolish, but that's the absurdity of sin. So instead of listening to God, Instead of looking to him and how he works, how he operates, living what he commands, we build a life according to our own liking, our own cities, our own towers, for the sake of our own names. But God did see what the people did. We heard, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So for the sake of the people, because the Lord knew that there was literally, this is translated, could be translated, there's no amount of evil that these people can do in this world. God did something. He didn't just said, well, let's see where this goes. No, he came down. He saw their handiwork, as he had done with Adam and Eve. And God acted. He intervened. So Moses tells us, So the Lord dispersed them from over there, from the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So their attempts at making a name for themselves at using their own language to their great shame, to their great vice, it was over. Where they were one group, now where they were dispersed in both location and even in speech. When Christ came into the world, he knew all of this. He knew what had happened in the garden. He knew what had happened here at Babel. He knew what happened throughout history. He knew what happened, even what would happen in our own lives. And God was intervening just as he did even after the fall into sin. Intervening even as he did at Mount Sinai, the tabernacle, the temple, and so many countless other times. God is not the God who just sits in a chair and watches things. And all of these were pointing to the fullness of time when Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, when he lived on this earth. So here the Lord, whose very name, unlike our name, his name does save. 
And he did. He lived according to God's law, not for his sake, but for the sake of those whose name accomplishes all types of evil in their own flesh, accomplishes all types of evil in the world around them. And Jesus built something. He built the church upon himself, who is the cornerstone the builders rejected. And his kingdom, which is not of this world, had come upon the people, and he preached to the people that salvation was at hand. He lived perfectly, preached perfectly, died perfectly, rose perfectly, ascended perfectly, and now he rules and reigns in perfect glory. And so with all of this, then, God preaches to you. The Holy Spirit is at work as you hear this word. You share that faith with the people at Pentecost who spoke all of those different languages that some of us probably don't even know what those even sound like. The Holy Spirit called you. He gathered you into the church. Now there is unity found and created by God's word, and you are one body, the church. So the apostles then, they preached to the people, and Peter, after the reading today, preached a sermon to those people gathered. The Holy Spirit wasn't just about making some big show of tongues of fire. No, there was a purpose in all of that, to preach the gospel. So after this, we're told by St. Luke, Peter's that what happened after Peter preached, we're told, so those who received his word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So within this church, within this one body, these people who were many nations and many tongues, they were known by God. And God gathered them together around his word and sacraments that one location where all of this happens. So Pentecost is the Holy Spirit doing what he has always done, preaching, preaching through the means of the word. And even as we gather on this day, as you hear it in your own tongue and your own language, you have it all. You have peace, which is to say your sin is forgiven and you are righteous before the throne of God. It's the same message preached to the people that day many years ago. For Jesus said, the things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And that's the Lord's peace that's yours this day. And you see, that's real peace. It's the forgiveness of sins. It's eternal life. It's salvation. And not only that, but there's confidence and certainty in the peace of Jesus. Holy, the day of Pentecost and knowing what the Holy Spirit does rightly, it's a confidence that we have before God. Because we don't need to go searching. You don't need to wonder, if, is God working in my life? Is God for me? When I face all these things going through my life, or we think, well, at Pentecost, then that must be of some sight. You know that God is still working in your life, when you have his word, when you have his sacraments, for this is where you find him. And rather than be scattered about, tossed back and forth when it comes to the Christian faith, he doesn't leave you wondering, is Jesus really for me? For you don't find the gospel apart from the means of grace. The Holy Spirit is a preacher, and that means he sanctifies you, and you are a holy one. You are a saint. That's what God says to you. So cling to that. Cling to where the Holy Spirit is working through his means as he has taught you. 
And God's word is connected to his very purpose. God is preaching to you. Listen to him. This is why Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Cling to those. Cling to those words of Jesus. Don't look for him anywhere else, and know that you have peace in what your Lord says to you. Don't try to find the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your mind and your heart. Don't think he's found in the wind, some coincidence when you found your car keys after looking for three hours. Somebody tell me that one time. Or some other thing in creation. Also, don't go looking for him in rambling speech that no one can understand. Don't go looking for him in impressive signs and wonders because the devil can do those things. The old evil foe wants nothing more than for you to search for and think you find the Holy Spirit apart from the word and sacraments. But here's the thing about the devil. He's a liar, and he's the father of lies, and he knows he's been defeated. So anything claiming to be of the Holy Spirit apart from the word and sacraments is of the devil himself. We confess this in the small code articles of the Lutheran Confessions. The devil's been at that trick. He's got nothing new under his belt. He tried to do it with Adam and Eve, wanting them to look for God apart from the word in the Garden of Eden, wanted them to think that there's a spirituality apart from God's word. But don't listen to Satan. Don't go where he would have you go. Don't have him define your Christian faith as a thing of constantly searching, constantly wondering, constantly doubting, constantly having no peace. Don't build your foundation and in arrogance go running to the church of Babel built with works and the thoughts of men. But repent. Hear the preacher. Cast aside your sin, which wants your own name to be known, your own name to be put forward, which wants God to work on your terms. Instead, in humble repentance, go running to find your dwelling in the confidence where the Holy Spirit is as he has called, gathered, enlightened, and sanctified you by the Holy Gospel. So that means the burden then is lifted. It's lifted off you because God is the one who gives you this peace. He's created you, he's redeemed you, and he's the one who sanctifies you all through his grace alone, by his grace alone. Pentecost is all about this work of God for you in Christ, given freely and fully to you by God himself. The Holy Spirit creates, sustains, and brings you into the true church, which is not Babel, but Mount Zion. Zion's a great name for a church. Ours is St. John, as there's like half the churches in Iowa District East, which is a great name too, don't get me wrong. So though the languages may be different, the faith is the same as God's word. The apostles' doctrine is faithfully taught as the sacraments are rightly administered according to the institution of Christ. And so in your God-given faith, you receive this and you call upon the name of the Lord. So what would we call the day of Pentecost today? Well, we have a name for it. It's called the divine service. It's where you are right now. For the Holy Spirit is just as active in doing miraculous things through very ordinary-looking means. You might not see tongues of fire on, your, on Pastor Rojas and my heads, and if you do, please grab a fire extinguisher. But you know that the Holy Spirit has worked a miracle in your life. You believe the gospel. That's a miracle. Even as he preaches that same gospel to you now, even as you are baptized into Christ and you come into the holy presence of God, receiving his own body and blood, for your forgiveness, life, and salvation, communing with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. Are those miracles? Of course they are. And God even keeping you in this faith, working repentance in your hearts. 
unto life everlasting. It's a day of Pentecost. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your sin is forgiven. This is your peace that you have with your God as the blood of Christ has cleansed you from all sin. And your Savior speaks his kind voice to you. He gives you his peace as the Holy Spirit, the preacher, preaches. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's the word our Lord preached. And God's word is never preached in vain, but accomplishes those purposes for which he sends it. And that his purpose is your salvation. So thanks be to God who does such wondrous things on the day of Pentecost, the day of your baptism, even right now. Thanks be to God for the work of the Holy Spirit among you as a preacher, sanctifying you in this life in the church. And for giving you the confidence that you have in all of this, knowing who you are, that you are a righteous one on account of your Savior before the very throne of God. So it's all about Christ. And it's all yours. For yours is eternal life, even as you are a saint here in this church on earth. And on that day when you rise, and you go from here into the glory that is the life to, the life to come. And on that day, you will see the life of eternal joy and peace as you will be with Christ and all of his saints. Not dispersed, but gathered in one place, joining in one song, with one language, singing in that eternal holy city to the Lamb, to the honor and glory of his saving name. Amen. Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory. <laughs>